0: Hello, everybody. This is Manny Escamilla, the Full Metal Archivist, coming out with uh, Puro Palisipari, uh, for all your listening needs here. Uh, today, we're going to have a, a fun bunch of people uh, with the Rise Up Willowick Coalition. So there were quite a number of them, and we tried to squeeze in as many comments from as many of them as possible. But really, you know, it was a, one of my favorite uh, in, interview uh, sessions because you got a lot of great feedback. They're uh, doing some really excellent work. Uh, fighting for public open space um, at the Willowick Golf Course. Uh, So we're going to just dive right into that, and hopefully you learn something about SLAs, RFPs, and 90-day good faith, quote-unquote, negotiations. All right. So without further ado, this is our interview with Rise Up Willowick. All right. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, this is uh, Manny Escamillo with a fun interview uh, today. I think this is the most; uh, these are the most amount of people we're going to pack into an interview. Uh, so a, a whole uh, set of folks over from the Rise Up Willowick Coalition. Uh, yeah, very thankful to, to have them all in here in the studio and uh, thankful for the work that they're doing out there uh, with Willowick. So I, I guess just to start off, uh, can everyone on the call uh, please introduce themselves? And uh, I'm going to just start with uh, the, the way that... Um, Things are looking on my screen. Uh, Cynthia, can you go first?
1: Yes. So my name is Cynthia Getha. I am one of the organizers for the Rise of Willowick Coalition. Um, pronouns: she, her, hers. And I am born and raised in Santa Ana.
0: Cool. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Can we go with uh, Byron? Hey.
2: This is uh, Byron Lopez. Uh, he, him. Uh, part of the Willowick Coalition. Uh, I'm. I'm also part of the uh, Orange County Democratic Socialists of America chapter, um, born in Garden Grove, moved to Hungary, <laughs> moved like a block over. Now I live in Santa Ana. i uh, lived around Willowick my entire life.
0: <laughs> okay, well, 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 thank you for that. And then we'll have to dive into that story uh, in a little more detail. Uh, Karen Rodriguez, uh, can you go?
3: Hello everyone, my name is Karen Rodriguez. Um, I am also one of the organizers for Rise of Willowick and have been a part of this campaign since the beginning in 2019. I'm also a born and raised Santana resident.
0: Cool, thank you. Uh, Flor, can you go?
4: Hello everyone, my name is Flor and I am the campaign lead on the Rise of Willowick uh, campaign and also have been with the campaign since the beginning um, I hold many identities. Um, one of them is an activist and a social justice urban planner, and I'm also a parent, and I currently live in the city of Santana.
0: Well, thank you for that. And uh, the last uh, person on our call, uh, Karen Romero.
5: Hi everyone, my name is Karen Romero Estrada. I was born in Anaheim and I am research, um, I do research for the Rise of Bola campaign. I've been with the
0: campaign since the beginning as well. All right. So we're, we're, thank you all for, for that introduction. Uh, I kept it nice and, and short, but definitely each and every one of you have a whole other story that we can dive into in more detail at some follow-up time. Um, but we're really here to, to talk about Willowick and the Willowick Golf Course. So I, I guess the, the first question is, what is uh, Willowick? And I don't know if we have any um, hands raised and some volunteers to take on that answer, uh, but you know, what is Willowick? Uh,
5: so Willowick, uh, to be more simple, we'll add on the story of Willowick and people's lived experiences, Willowick is a 102-acre publicly-owned property that is in the city of Santana and owned by the city of Garden Grove, so that makes our experience more complicated. Uh, the city of Garden Grove acquired it in 1955, and it's been operating as a golf course since. Most of the site is zoned as open space, except where the radio station is located within the property. And importantly, Willowick is adjacent to two communities called Santa Anita and Bonnet-Clinton, respectively, in the city of Santana and in the city of Garden Grove. The communities have been historically low-income, working class, immigrant communities, predominantly Latinx and Vietnamese communities, and they have been historically neglected by the cities as well. And we always want to emphasize to our members and to residents that because the property is owned by the public, they should have a say in how the land is used.
0: Cool. Thank you. Uh, Brian. uh, can you elaborate a little more?
2: Yeah, uh, to just speak on the kind of the resident view of it, uh, since I live literally next to it, (laughs) um, it it is probably one of the most uh, annoying eyesores. Uh, Well, it's not an eyesore; it's very pretty to look at, but it sucks because uh, for us residents, because it's a golf course and no one golfs. Uh, I I, in in all my time, uh, both just in in the neighborhood, but also in uh, through canvassing the community uh, for the for, like, the Rise of Willowet Coalition, I have met, like, one person who actually golfs and uses it. No one else uses it. The most use I've ever seen it is kids, cu- like, like, cutting a hole in the fence so they can walk through it to get to school faster. <laughs> that is that is its primary use right now for the community. Um, it is, uh, it might as well just not, ex- it might as well just be this empty void um, that no one actually uses. Uh, if anything, people from outside the community use it. Ah, uh, people who, uh, just from uh, some of the people I've just talked to, just randomly uh, near the entrance uh, when I walked past, it's like people from Irvine who just don't want to bother to pay <laughs> to use Irvine golf courses at the time. Um, so yeah, it 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 very much is this kind of thing that has been looming overhead, like a sort of Damocles over the community. Everyone has known that, like, oh, the city's always wanted to get rid of it and to turn it, develop it into something. There's always been the rumors of uh, oh, it's going to be like a, a football stadium or a training center, um, for, for some football team, uh, or, or some soccer team, uh, for, for the Anglos, uh, in the, in the crowd. Um, and, and once it does, we're all screwed because our rents will go up, uh, we'll get kicked out through eminent domain or something like that. Um, something will happen and we will not live here anymore. So it it, it it becomes incredibly prescient to that everyone here knows how bad it is. Everyone here kind of knows we're if we don't do anything we're screwed. Uh, so it you know when I first heard about Rise of Willowick and and what's happening with the golf course, I I immediately jumped on because it was like oh the city, two cities want to screw us want to screw us over. Well screw that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and uh, w- with the with the we, and I just want to make sure we identify, like, uh, uh, are you referring essentially to the the existing uh, renters and homeowners in, in the immediate neighborhood? Is that the, a fair assessment of the we? Yes. Okay. And uh, the two cities in question being the city of Santa Ana and Garden Grove.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I definitely want to dive into how that whole crazy thing happened because that is uh, in a very that's very unique right I don't you you all are having to sue essentially two cities or at least maybe one city at a time Um, and uh, Florida I see your hand up Uh, we want to keep on talking about what is Willowick
4: yeah thank you Um, I just want to lift up what um, Karen already said and what Byron uh, mentioned that Willowick and stress the fact that Willowick is public land so I just wanna take a pause by stressing that it's public land, that it belongs to the residents, it belongs to the people here. And, um, and really when you think about uh, land, it's about who belongs um, here. Uh, and so I, I just want to raise up that this is uh, an, an asset for the community that could be used for the community that currently isn't being used for the community because there's a pay to play um, golf course with a chain link fence Um, around it that is not welcoming to the the community. Uh, And when we kind of put this in a timeline perspective, uh, as Byron and and Karen already mentioned, the fact that Willowick, the the cities of Garden Grove and the cities of Santana have tried to dispose of this land, um, at least since we know uh, in 2011. But this land, as we know, sits on indigenous land um, as well. Um, We are here on Quiche ancestral land. We are on the Hechemen ancestral land. And we are also on the Tongva um, ancestral land. And so I just want to um, just bring that into the forefront of when we talk about land, uh, what we're talking about. Uh, And so Willowick is, is so much more than just uh, an asset that we that the city of Garden Grove is trying to monetize.
0: Cool, thank you, and I, I can really hear the the, the passion there, and um, it helps me understand. But you know, for the audience, yeah, you know, what is this coalition then about? Rise up Willowick, and what is what what exactly is it that you all are trying to do? So
1: yeah, we'll start off a little bit with um, the Rise Up Willowick coalition and kind of how we got started and and got involved. With all of this, right? It's been two and a half, a little bit more than two and a half years of just like being at this. So, um, so as like I think Byron mentioned, there's always been like this, this talk around Willowick, you know, uh, about what it was going to become. It's obviously a very, um, tempting, I guess, deal for uh, a lot of people, a lot of developers, a lot of council members. So, so it's always been kind of talked about. Um, but I think what we noticed in like 2018, at least, um, is that talk started getting really serious about actually, uh, disposing of the land, right. And, and actually starting to develop the land. And so, it, you know, in 2018, I believe it was 2018, there was like a series of, of meetings of sunshine ordinance meetings, um, in which residents, uh, met with consultants. that the city of garden Grove hired, um, to talk about what, um, you know, like different pro- potential projects uh, or like design proposals that there could be on the land. Um, and just based on 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 those meetings, we could tell already that the city wasn't really taking into account um, what the residents' needs were, what their visions for the land was, um, and how really these projects were gonna impact the current residents that live there, right? There were, the consultants basically came with, with design proposals um, that consisted of, I think like a stadium, some mixed use projects, office, you know, like development. Um, and the majority of the land would have been developed into some sort of like commercial residential like office space. Um, and, you know, residents consistently said, in contradiction to what the consultants proposed, but consistently said, we, we need open space in this area. We need open space in general in the city. Um, and we need, we don't need market housing, right We need like, if there's going to be any type of, of development, it needs to be accessible to the people that currently live in that community and, and market rate housing in these office space, like none of that is needed by the community. And so al- already things are off to like not a great start in terms of, of being in alignment with the community. Um, and, you know, and that's when I think the idea of like, okay, we need to start first talking to the community and really seeing like what exactly is it that the community needs and wants and, and how, so how do they get involved? Because, there was issues of transparency as well. This, you know, Even with these Sunshine Ordinance meetings, not a lot of people attended. Um, I think it, in, in the forum meetings, I think they were heard, it was like less than 100 in total. Um, and so not a lot of residents knew what was going on, right? So that was the first issue. We needed like build transparency and be like, folks need to know what's happening. Because as Byron said, it's gonna affect folks um, um, in the long-term and, and it's gonna affect them negatively. So get them involved um, and also, not be prescriptive, right? Like, not assume that we know what people want, like, go out there and really try to figure out exactly what is it that folks need. Um, but through folks, have folks tell us that, right? Not assume. And so we got involved through that. There was things that are getting serious. And, you know, as expected, in I believe April of 2019, the city of Garden Grove, um, in agreement with the city of Santana, issued uh, an RFP request for proposals for the development of the land. And again, there was nothing in this request for proposals or, or in, in the way the city was carrying out this process that um, one acknowledged the stated needs of the community, like what the community had already stated they wanted. Um, there was no prioritization in, in those proposals for those needs, nothing that said, you'll get extra points if you're you know, a project that, that meets these needs or anything like that. Um, it was like a, a normal disposition of the land. Um, and so that's... At that point, we had already started doing outreach, and I'll have, like, not have, uh, Karen will talk a little bit about, about that outreach, um, but but that's when, you know, the idea, like, again, we started doing that outreach, and we really were like, okay, we need to involve folks, and we need to make sure that they're part of this process. This is their land, this is public land, and it's going to have immediate and and very strong effects in, in the community. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, Karen, we'll talk about the outreach.
3: Yeah, so in the beginning of 2019, uh, we were already aware of this RFP. And so Cynthia and I, along with some other community members um, who would become coalition members, uh, we started door knocking in the in the Santa Anita uh, neighborhood and also in the Buena Clinton neighborhood on the Garden Grove end. Um, and we started asking, like we, took surveys and we started asking like really simple questions the first one was um are you aware of this site in your neighborhood and many people if it was not within their view said no another question that we asked was were you are you aware that the city of garden grove is planning to sell this site um and they also said no and another thing that we asked was like what do you want to see what don't you want to see and the like the overwhelming response was that they would want a park there they would want it to be accessible to them because they were so used to it being um, open space in such a dense area in their community they wanted access to it and they wanted it to be for them A lot of people that we talked to, as Byron said, never use the golf course. A lot of people that we talked to also would would say I, sometimes sneak in and walk my dog around there um or run or walk. And so like the spa- the need for open space was really evident in our conversations. And people were also saying that that rent uh, was getting really expensive and people were worried about paying rent and affording to live in their area. So affordable housing was another topic that came up. Um, but people really prioritize like community resources in an open space in a park like community gardens um playgrounds play fields um and so from those surveys we started doing monthly general meetings where people from the neighborhood would come um, and we tried to do this in like a midway point so this would these would take place in rosita elementary um And so we would strategize and we would plan together, uh, forming like the campaign essentially. And um, it just happened really organically. I think the conversations were really organic and people felt comfortable sharing with us their experiences and also planning. We're really passionate and are still passionate about seeing this public asset, like truly be used as for community benefit.
0: All right. So you know, with that, um, could you also, you know, cause this is something I think we've uh, maybe alluded to, but haven't necessarily, um, gone into detail. was like, how would you describe the surrounding neighborhoods of this golf course? Right. So talking about, yeah. All right. Uh, I see a hand raised there. Go ahead, By- Byron.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, as, as being a resident, as, well, I can definitely tell, uh, tell you from the Santa uh, Anita side, uh, but I've, 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 I've been canvassing at the uh, Buena bon Clifton side as well. Um, I think something that unites both of the neighborhoods is everyone's kind of broke for the most part. Uh, it's very Latinx, uh, very Vietnamese. Uh, you, you know, uh, like, for example, where I live, there's like the only, I, I live in a mobile home park uh, next to the, Uh, golf course and it used to be a retirement home for old white folks (laughs) back when uh, before it got converted to just regular mobile homes Um, so those are the only white people I kind of see they're really old folks who can't afford who are on social security and can't really afford any increases in rent Uh, but for everybody else you know it's it's working class folks it's people who you know whose rents uh, whose mortgages whose uh, you know cost of living has been going up and up and up while the wages have stagnated or even declined in certain cases, um especially in terms of buying power, like that is the reality of everyone there. we're, we're, we're all broke, and we all know we're broke. <laughs> we don't like to no one likes to admit it, but it's true. um and and everyone is very is very kind of knows that, especially when I went camp, especially when I'm canvassing around my neighborhood, um, you know, I would always ask, you know, I, well, one of the one of the questions we asked was, you know, is there rent going up? And everyone always said yes, every single year, like year on year on year. Um, and then when we, you know, asked them about the 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 golf course, um, you know, what they would want, uh, as as Karen mentioned before, it's it's open space, you know, low incomes, low income housing, community gardens, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I'm kind of editorializing here, kind of speculating, kind of peering into their minds, but, you know, as, as someone who is also low income, uh, I, I, I think it's because everyone kind of knows, you know, you don't need a, a degree in political economy to know that, like, when there's development uh, next to, like, in a low income area, the price of everything goes up. <laughs> so, So a, a, everyone knew, that that this was going to be a bad idea if if they go ahead with with you know market rehousing or office park or whatever or like the the, the football stadium for the chavistas back uh, you know to, to back when they were a thing you know like this was going to end very badly for everyone involved um well everyone involved you know who currently lives there <laughs> so so yeah it, it is it is a very working class area very uh very much people of color um and kind of by kind of divided also, uh, quite literally in that we have to go to Harbor Boulevard and then go up and then turn onto Washington or uh, or Seventeenth, depending on how you how, depending what city you're in, um, in order to con- in, in order just to reach the other neighborhood because there is this section of track of like old railroad track, um, that Santa Ana is developing as a kind of a like light rail. That you lived when I was a kid, like kids in a neighborhood would have to jump a wall um in order to get to school faster in Santiago High School, you know, uh Clinton Elementary, Doig L- Intermediate, kind of that area um near the Buena Clinton area. Um so it's it's it quite literally cannot physically reach it without going the long way around. Um, uh, without, you know breaking some laws possibly uh you know at, at one point like some of the neighborhood kids like broke the wall <laughs> like got a sledgehammer and just broke it and just tore it down so people didn't have to jump and possibly you know hurt themselves because we because there this is where kids would like break their ankles jumping over it because they didn't you know have the right footing or they landed on, on, a, on a rock and it screwed their ankle or something so you know we just you know the kids just you know got rid of it <laughs> um so so yeah, that that's again, that, that's the kind of neighborhood that that we're talking about. Uh, people who have to do these things just to get to just, just to get an education and an education that also would feed you because because you, your family had issues feeding feeding you. Um, I know i I was a free lunch kid like that's so that was incredibly important to get that free breakfast. so again that that is a form of neighborhood that these are the type of neighborhoods we're talking about
3: I would also add that. Um, both Santa Anita and Buena Clinton are really dense neighborhoods and they are historic communities um, on both ends. And with like really dense neighborhoods, I've noticed that there's just a mix between homeowners, renters, like short-term, long-term, generational folks. Um, So I really noticed that like there's a mix of everything. And in our conversations, we've also have I have or Cynthia might be able to share as well like we have also heard on both ends the frustration of people in both communities of just um, like the city's lack of prioritizing them and investing in in those communities Um, so that's another thing I've also noticed about the communities
0: Cool. Uh, Thank you for that. And, um, you know, it sounds like there is a very specific set of circumstances here, uh, imbalances of power, and um, a general um, need to try to get people that are typically outside of the planning process into the planning process. Um, You know, so with that in mind, what were some of those kind of key milestones uh, for for your particular organization in getting, you know, people involved and essentially – being part of the process that you were never necessarily meant to be part of and uh, I believe uh, Cynthia has her hand raised.
1: Yes uh, so yeah I think like what you're saying is really important Manny because it's like you said these processes weren't really meant for us even though that's who they should be prioritizing the community the, the residents who who live in these areas right um, and so we basically had to force and insert ourselves in this process you know, very forcibly through a lawsuit, um, right? Because we were really left with the other choice. And I wanna, I really want to emphasize the fact that, you know, for the, you know, when Karen talked about having these coalition meetings these at the beginning of 2019, we did reach out. We reached out to the council members, we reached out to everyone. We did our due diligence of being like, hey, we wanna talk to you. We have all these residents who are telling us that one, they didn't know what this was happening. And now that they do know, they're not in agreement with what you're doing. Um, And so we did, we we, we were like, we. It's almost like, you know, committee members never want to actually deal with this very large two and a half, three year campaign if, if they don't need to. It's only when yeah, they're forced to because they're not being taken into consideration, right? Um, but we were, it was basically crickets. Um, crickets, and, and it was, we would go to council, and even when we would go to council, had them in front of us, nothing, no response, right? So um, after we, la- we officially launched the coalition in, in August 2019, even though we had been meeting uh, a lot of times before that, um, and we noticed that there was no response from the city council, there was no response from city staff to really take us seriously or any of the residents seriously. We finally filed a lawsuit in October of 2019. Um, and it was really strategic because it was really important that we kind of get ahead of the city choosing a master developer. Um, because that would make it just so much harder afterwards to try to stop them. So. It was kind of like October 2019, even up to the date they were filing the lawsuit and they were talking to the attorneys. It was just like, do we do it? Do we do it? And it's like, now or never. Okay, we did. I don't no return, right? So we did it. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact date, but it was early, I think it was like October 7th of, of 2019. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I remember that correctly. <laughs> I was like, that date rings in my mind for some reason. Um, yes, so October 7th, 2019, um, the attorneys filed a lawsuit. Um, it, was, it included both Santana and the city of Garden Grove, um, originally because at this point both cities had agreed to issue this RFP. They were working together, both councils. And um, there's a Santana ad hoc committee that was created. Um, and so we filed the lawsuit. And you know, even even after filing the lawsuit, it was like, you know, you still have a chance, it of Garden Grove. You you know you can still take off this RFP. You can still, you know, be to your process, you can still do all of this. Again none of us want to be spending all this time trying to force the city to do their job, right? Like that, no one wants, residents don't want to take that time to force the city to do their job. Um, but we received no um, no response. Again, it was the same kind of crickets and and just like very determined, I guess, to continue with the RFP process. And so thankfully, eventually we received through a lot of organizing and, and the legal teams who helped us, um, we got a, a, a temporary restraining order in November. Um, to to stop the, the the sell of the land and then a preliminary injunction in December 17th I believe uh, it's something like that. Um so that finally said no you can't you can't do this until we further investigate um this this uh sell of the land and the reason was and, and, and our basis for the lawsuit was the surplus land act so we knew that the city this this land was supposed to be surplus land which means that any land that, that any public land that the, the jurisdictions and public agencies own um, that is no longer serving the purpose, its original purpose, and they're trying to dispose of it, uh, they have to prioritize it for public good in, in the disposition of that land. Um, and so they obviously weren't doing that. And so we were we knew that that was the case that, that, that they were violating the law. So when we went to the City of Gordon, just to backtrack a little bit, we told them, not only are you not listening to residents, you're violating the law. So they knew this, all of this. Um, and they continued. And it really came down when we and I just want to correct, because I remember this day we were in the it, the, the case got moved to the LA um, Los Angeles Superior Court. And the day that the preliminary injection was or issued in the morning was a day, it was a Tuesday, and it was the day that the city was set to um, decide on the developer. And they were set to s- sell the land and lease part of the land to McQueenie onto um, this company. And so it was literally that day. And we still went to council that day to just remind them you made us go through all this process and and like legally like have to bind you because you were unwilling to listen and now you you can't do this, right? And again, so, you know, we've always been trying to think ahead and the goal was to get into 2020 because there was a set of amendments that were coming in into the Surplus Land Act, uh, which we knew the land was subject to, um, that would make it even harder for the city to to continue with the disposition of surplus land in a way that um, didn't prioritize the community. So th- this was legislation AB 1486. It had been signed in October of 2019 into law. I think they need some. Um, and so our goal was to basically make sure that the disposition of the land went into 2020, so that they were they were bound to the, those eight amendments. And so we managed to do that. Um, and that was that was huge for us, right? Like just our goal, that first phase of the campaign was just like we need to stop the sale of this land in in whatever way possible, and we managed to do that. And so, 2020, we kind of came into and and all other people are going to speak on this, but we came into this new phase of the campaign. It's like now it's the phase of the campaign in which we f- have to monitor the city of Garden Grove still to make sure that they actually comply uh, with the surplus land act and the and what that process entails. Um, and You know, we'll talk a little bit about that, but that's where we're at right now, making sure the city of Garden Grove complies with the
3: Surplus Land Act, Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Karen, do you have your hand raised again?
3: I did. I just wanted to add that what felt for me, like why that moment felt like a milestone was because I feel like leading up to that time, the city of Garden Grove was really confident that they were going, to be able to dispose of this land and that they were not violating any law and that they weren't doing harm to their community. And I think that they also took uh, the case of um, the city of inglewood I forgot what it's called, uh, the case of like Uplift Inglewood as well, I think as like an, e- an example that um, that they weren't doing anything wrong and that you know, we were asking something that was like out of bounds. And so when that, that preliminary injunction was granted, I think they started to really like, notice the power that we had, um, and notice that like, we were not going to go away and let them sell this, as Florida has said, like public assets so easily. Um, And I think it really made them notice like who we are and what we wanted and that they were going to have hurdles every step of the way. So I just think that that moment was really significant because, and they also to mention, I think they tried to constantly discount us because they felt that we were, Residents from Santana, and that they had no responsibility to us, and that we didn't have a voice. Um, so there were many issues that I felt like this moment really solidified us in their eyes. We already knew that we that we had that power and that we were right, um, but I think this was that moment where they saw that.
0: Right. So with you know that surplus land act being such a key and uh, you know, a vital uh, part of this whole discussion. Um, I don't know if like someone can give us a little bit more uh, background and kind of details to to what that Surplus Land Act uh, is. Uh,
2: I I can go into it use use the layman terms. Uh, uh, so so basically, the Surplus Land Act. Uh, so as as everyone probably knows, <laughs> everyone who's listening has probably felt. Um, you know, prices. You know, rents have been going up pretty bad, especially land prices have been going up like crazy all over the U.S., especially in California. Where we have a lot of dense urban space, we have you know we have the uh, the infamous suburban sprawl, uh, you know just here like you mentioned like you like you mentioned with Santa Ana, it's one of the most densest cities in in the in the country. <laughs> like we're up there, I think we're 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 in the double digits when it comes to just how many people are stacked and of stacked on top of each other for for the amount of space we have. So the the state of California you know, it got so bad, even the state of California was like, okay, this is too bad, like, this is, even we need to do something about this for once, Uh, you know, so they signed this, uh, you know, the uh, AB uh, 1486 into law saying that, okay, if you're a city that has public, uh, you know, owns some land somewhere, and it's like, okay, you want to sell it off, um, because, you know, and it's open space stuff, like, it's open, it's a park, or it's like some sort of, undeveloped land you know quote unquote undeveloped land uh you now instead of just like going through the normal process of just like seeing who's the highest bidder for for any theoretical zoning uh like form of zoning whether it's you know uh retail or uh housing you know whatever type of housing or or anything like, or, or like a theme park or whatever entertainment uh zoning whatever kind of zoning uh it, it it's mind's eye uh, you can't do that anymore. That is against the law. First, what you first now have to do is put out an like you know put the you know put your put the word out that hey, we are gonna have a ninety day good faith and and i'm 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 gonna remember that word good faith. good faith negotiation with uh you know and 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 specified in the law, like open space and uh, low-income housing or public housing developers. Those are the are, are specified in the law because those are the type of things that people need <laughs> and that are not being made in, in the state uh you know no, normally because the market the market forces don't work like that. Um so the government has to step in and force it. Uh so so you know that's that's essentially what you know the the whole lawsuit, this the whole, you know, past 20 minutes of, of, of Cynthia and Karen, what they were talking about. That's what the whole point is is to because is to make Santa Ana and Garden Go, Garden Go specifically sell the land uh, using this you know 90 day good faith agreement, uh, good faith negotiation uh, form instead of the normal, you know everyone total free for all in terms of negotiation. Um, problem is, the, what there's and I'm I'm speaking personally here just for my view of the law, <laughs> is that uh th- there's two problems in that there's one there's an oversight issue, uh that we've had that basically the oversight thing is, the state won't really care unless you bring in a lawsuit like we did, unless you bring in a lawsuit the the state's not gonna care because they're not keeping an eye on things you know they they're not looking at every single municipality, in in the state of California which you know God knows how many there are there. You know, and saying, "Okay, you're breaking the law. You're fine. You're fine. You're breaking the law. You're fine. You're fine." You know, they're not going down the list. Uh, They can't. They they don't. They don't have the resources to do that. So they're reliant. So the law is ultimately reliant on people suing uh, the the cities to force the the uh, the 90-day good faith agreement. And you know, Manny, you're, you're you're a resident of Santa Ana. I don't know how long you've lived here, but I hope you live here long enough. And hopefully, the listeners can know. That, you know, Santa Ana, Garden Grove, Orange County in general, like city city, like city governments are far more shady and corrupt, you know, whether it's blatant, like, you know, like uh, city council members going to jail for lying about where they live, like we did like we experienced here in Santa Ana, or just like Garden Grove, where they already know who they want to sell it to and they're gonna break every law they think they can uh to sell it to McWinnie, uh the folks who did the Grit Wolf Lodge over on Harbor Boulevard on the way to Disneyland um, so, so again, like we, you have to force it so if so, if for example, rise of Willow didn't happen, the, the development probably would have gone through because no one, because who who would have who what well, who would have had the standing, the legal standing to actually sue the cities, uh, the city garden grow for this um, and then you know, but also like who who has the money and like the time to sue uh a city government? When the people in the area who would have legal standing don't have the money. Again, we're all working class folks. Uh, we're pretty broke all the time. Like I'm pretty sure there aren't many lawyers who know enough about state law to, to do to do the deed themselves. Um, it wouldn't have happened. So, so again, that's that's the one issue with oversight. But also, two issue of good faith. The term good faith, regrettably, have has is is very loose sometimes. In that, you know what for example what what, Cal- what garden grove is doing right now uh, if you want to talk about that is that you know they say oh we're we're trying in good faith we're really trying um while doing absolutely nothing of the story they just have to say they're trying that's that's basically enough apparently so or at least that's what they think is enough um to to kind of to to follow through with that good faith clause um in in the state law and when it comes to good faith you know it, it's very difficult because you can't peer into the minds of the negotiators you know you can't tell us oh they, they gave us a bad offer that's and that's that's basically it you, you can't you can't read their mind to tell if they're if they're and uh lying to everyone's face so what we have to rely on is is legal documents um you know people saying like oh here on this piece of paper on this letter you said that you know you're gonna value the land for this much this is the land's current value and this is the land this is how much you want to sell it for uh but for some reason, like you're mixing up the value of land when you talk to different people. That that way you can lie to the developers, prospective developers, for like the the the. Um, so you don't have to actually go through with any of it, and just go and just basically time out the clock, go back to the normal. You know, say we tried, uh, and then go back to the normal avenue of of selling off the land and just go straight to winning. And just give them the money, uh, to get the money, give them the land, and just wipe your hands of it. You know, it's 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 not the city's problem anymore. It's it's our you know, our the residents' problem. <laughs> so yeah, that, that that is functionally what the civil, the the surplus land act is. Um that's kind of how it acts, that's how it acts in real life application. Um, you know, with the complexities of you know applying the law into actual situations you know the folks in Sacramento can you know have an idea in their heads but not actually know how it works in real life so yeah that 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 is basically AB
0: 1486. Okay and I was hoping that Floor if you can uh, uh, jump in here because I know you have uh, some experience with uh, some of that state ledge um, and uh, come on and yeah let us know so Floor what is the surplus land act?
4: Yeah, thank you. And I think that um just to talk about like what Byron said is just that uh residents uh as experts, right? Like residents and folks who have to um really get expertise on the the different uh statutes that are going to try to protect um assets. I just want to to highlight that. So the California um, Surplus Land Act is a statute that was passed in 2014 and it essentially um, was passed uh, as as Byron mentioned um, to really uh, address the housing um, unaffordability and also housing shortages that uh, were occurring in the state of California. And uh, that was its, its main intention and it, kind of forces jurisdictions, local jurisdictions, which includes cities, it also includes school districts. um, It also includes um, other um, agencies in the state of California to prioritize their land for affordable housing. And it has very specific percentages as to how much affordable housing has to be developed, as well as for open space. And so that law was was strengthened, um, as, as Byron mentioned, by AB 1486, which went into effect on January 2020. But before I go there, essentially like what the law requires that once it designates uh, a land as surplus, it must then notify public agencies that this land is for sale. And the the actual uh, law is being um like, supervised, right, or monitored by the California Housing Community Development Department as well as the Attorney General's Office. Um, and right now they are supposed to keep a database of all of the different um, lands that are public land um, in order for make, for it, for them to make it easier for advocates to see, like, what are the lands that are actually, like, subject to the Surplus Land Act, something that we did not have um, when we started with, with, with the Willowick campaign. And so it sets off this process. And so uh, as residents, as Rise of Willowick, we not only had to care about the lawsuit, but we also had to care about acquisition. And so I just want to pause there, that that was also something that as a coalition we were thinking about, who is actually going to acquire the land that actually is going to, to center the residents' needs and actually be able to work with community. And so, it, so it notifies different public agencies and once it notifies public agencies, um, it, the, the different public agencies, so for example, the city of Santana could have applied for Willowick. Um, and it could have been one of the, um, I don't wanna say developers, but, but an entity that could have uh, submitted a proposal, for example. So once those public agencies are notified, then um, it's the responsibility of the entities to then say, I am, interest, I am interested in this, and they submit a notice of, um, of intent saying that they want to uh, engage in conversation. And Karen romero Strada did all the research of the, of the folks who actually like submitted. Um, and so Karen can, can speak more. Um, I think in detail about that, but for Rise of Willowick, we had about nine um, or so entities that submitted a notice of interest. Um, and one of those is the, is the entity that we're working with for acquisition, which is the Trust for Public Land. Uh, so after the, the, the notice of interest are submitted, the, the city has to then say to those developers or entities, you need to submit an actual proposal. Which is what the what the d- different entities did. So I'm just describing the process, um, and not the actual um, you know the folks who actually uh, submitted proposals. We can, we can get to that in a bit. And then the city must then say, okay, following the law, which are the um, proposal the proposals that actually follow the law, and they have an opportunity to either negotiate independently or concurrently with these different developers um, and or public entities, I should say. Uh, and so these public entities then have 90 days of good faith negotiations. And that is a minimum requirement. That is not a maximum requirement because if you are talking about acquisition of, 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 of land, that process is not going to take three months. And so currently we are in the 90 day good faith negotiation um, period.
0: Okay, thank you. That was was a lot, um, and I, I guess uh, yeah, just kind of coming in into this here, you can um, understand how complicated this whole process was, um, and how much uh, detail was needed both at the you know state and local level. And you know, one of the things that I think maybe in many minds is con- confusing for people is, that, is to why and how we're dealing with with two cities, right? So just kind of clarifying. Um, You know what role does the city of Garden Grove have um, versus you know the role that the city of Santa Ana has uh, with the final result of Willowick? And I think right now we've talked a lot about the initial leasing and sales, which um, my understanding is totally in control of Garden Grove, uh, but that we haven't necessarily tackled uh, the land use authority and as far as what the zoning and kind of you know what those decisions might be further down down the road. Uh, So I don't know if anyone wants to jump in on that question.
5: I could start us off um, and Cynthia can definitely speak more about the details. So just simply put, because the property is owned by the city of Garden Grove, Willowick and its disposition, which is the sell or leasing of the land, is at the discretion of Garden Grove. And um, we already explained the SLA process. So the city, if it would want to dispose of the property, which it's doing now, it needs to go through the SLA. But because the land is basically located in the city of Santana, land use is at the discretion of Santana. And um, there's been, the city has been going through its general plan update, which Cynthia can talk about and how it relates to Willowick.
1: Yeah. So, so like um, Karen mentioned, Garden growth Authority over choosing the project, you know, like the actual disposition of the land. And then as far as authority over zoning, that's the city of Santana. Um, the city of Santana is going through its general plan um, update process right now. It hasn't been updated in like 30 years or something like that. So it's been a very long time. And so this is the first time. And um, us, we've been monitoring that process very like closely because what we want to make sure is that the city doesn't rezone the land in a way that's gonna um, negatively impact the community. That's what we've been trying to monitor this whole time, right? Um, So we've been taking care of both fronts, kind of. Um, And, you know, the thing is, again, what we see a lot is this prioritization of development in, in the cities. And the thing to note is that Willowick is actually included in one of the focus areas of the city of Santana, one of the by focus it is that the city of Santana has chosen as like targets for development uh, or like being prime for, for development. Right. And so that's that's something that originally like really um kind of raised the flag for us. And we're like, okay, we need to make sure we're monitoring this process. Um and and so we've we've been monitoring to make sure that it stays an open space. And as we've been engaging in this, you know, um process, what we've also come to realize is just the really like deep um park deficit or open space deficit that there is in the city of Santana. Um, it is currently, I believe, 107 um, acres, um, in need of 107 acres of open space to make up for that deficit. And in by the city's own um, calculations, this all comes from the city, um, that deficit is going to go to 189 um, acres uh, if the anticipated build out and population increase that takes place through the general plan amendments, actually the, the, the update that the city is, is doing, um, come into fruition, that deficit is gonna grow to 289. And so, you know, you know, we talk a lot about like the different ordinances, we talk a lot about the different laws, the planning process, but I think just to ground us a little bit in the fact that this has real real, real impact, right? And like the, this deficit, you can see it in this planning process, you can see like how it affects people. And so just to point that out, um, and we've gotten involved with that and in making sure that the city of Santana, you know, keeps this land that is currently zoned as open space, as open space, keeping in mind that deficit and also keeping in mind um again what the city has, the community has also stated, right? They're also aware of this deficit in their real life, uh in their actual lives, and, and they say that they needed a park. Um, so we're we're monitoring that the currently the city is. Supposed to issue uh, the city of something is supposed to release a new draft of the general plan this summer, sometime this summer, um, and we just again we're going to be closely looking at that not only to see that you know Willowick is continues to be a of open space, but also um, just how the city is dealing with this park deficit, right? Are they actually taking the the, the community's um, input into consideration and and and. Addressing this, and one way they could address this is through Willowick, is, is, is through saying, you know, this land needs to be prioritized, the majority of those land needs to be prioritized for, for open space, right? Um, so that's something that we're looking at. Um, and just to note that again, Rise of Willowick, with uh other um, what is it called with other um, partners, we actually forced the city of Santana to delay their process for the um, adoption of the general plan because, in they were slated to adopt it in late 2020, in December 2020, and we knew they had not done nearly enough um, um, community outreach uh, to to really make a general plan that could actually meet the needs of, of the residents. Right? They had not received enough community input, so we basically forced the city to delay that process and to now um, do this whole like community roundtables, do a survey, do all these things to um, get that that input and, um, and release a new draft. But really, you know, like, what is it, what do they, they say? The proof is in the pudding. We'll see once the draft is released, you know, whether um, they actually took this into consideration. And again, just to emphasize, at least when we we're talking about the park deficit, Willowwick is something that should definitely be at the forefront of people's minds and able to meet that. 107 um, acres currently uh, that we need of open space, Willowwick is 102. So <laughs> um, just to point that out. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else on the
4: zoning, at least, folks want to bring
0: up? Yeah, Flora has her hand raised.
4: Yeah, I I just want to lift up the fact that we've always known that Santana is critical to uh, the disposition of Willowick. Uh, And so Santana has zoning and land use authority. And the story I think that we want to highlight with with Santana specifically is that the residents and the community advocates have done the hard work. Um, they have advocated, they have tried to talk to the city of Carding Grove to listen to them, um, to listen to us to rise up Willowick and we have also tried to engage um, the city of Santana and the city of the Parks and Recs Department specifically to be one of the entities to submit a proposal. And so now that we are in this general plan update um, and this process, what we have told uh, the different you know, politicos like in the city is, listen, you know, we've sued, we've sued the city. We've done also the hard work of getting a partner to acquire the land. And essentially now we want you to be the ultimate land steward and we want to gift you this land ultimately. Will you help us? And the answer is not a resounding yes, Manny. And so then the question is why? Why is the city of Santana not falling over itself and saying like there is this deficit as Cynthia already spoke about. There is a need for open space. It's what COVID unveiled the fact that we didn't have a place to go to socially distance during this time here in the city of Santana. Where will residents going to go if they didn't have access to transportation? And so the question that folks should be asking now is why is it that the city of Santana, given the, the amount of work that uh, that has been done, given the, the, the acquisition uh, work that we have done, given the the visioning, that the residents have done around what a park could look like that the city of Santana is not saying a resounding yes to what we are to what we are proposing and actually showing the political will to stand with us during this fight because this is a time for the politicos to stand up alongside of us and i just want to say that there isn't anyone in the city of Santana, in the city of Garden Grove, in the county, the Orange County, that is saying, yes, we have the political will to fight alongside you. And I think that that's an important thing to remember, because when we win, and we will win, who's going to be standing alongside us then trying to claim credit for this?
0: Oh, that's sad, and for for me, disappointing to hear that there isn't a kind of unified front for for this, and especially since it is, as everyone's been pointing out, um, completely in line with the city's own um, policies, stances uh, around open space, its acquisition, two acres per thousand residents, and everything else that we um, include in our own um, open space plans, and legally we're bound to uh, try to reasonably achieve. So. Um, I, and I guess I with that, you know, Florida does raise some questions. Uh, when i saying the politicals, but is it also the bureaucracy as well? And I'm not sure if you're seeing maybe like a distinction be- between the two. Um, you know, so is it city staff um, at the executive level that's not really in support? Is it just all around the council? Um, you know, what are Kind of those various maybe pressure points that you have seen, like okay, well these are the folks that, um, at least in private, are not indicating any support, and therefore need to be kind of talked to in public or in in private through other pressure means of pressure. You know, what what are those kind of sources of resistance to getting this um, done?
4: I can start on talking about like the sources of resistance. We uh, I think that there is there there isn't the political will like at the at the council level. Um, and I also think that, uh, at least what we, the, the initial conversations that we've had around public land in general with, um, the city manager, um, is that this isn't a priority for, um, the city of Santana. Um, and so the, what, what that means is that they are opening themselves up to, you know, future lawsuits, uh, more, uh, battles, you know, like within like the community, because it means that right now we have the California Surplus Land Act as a tool, right, to force the city of Garden Grove, who really um, does not see, you know, the, the benefit of a park, because it's only like looking at how to monetize this asset. And so I feel like that that's where the tension lies, is that the city of Garden Grove is trying to get the maximum amount of money for this public asset. The city of Santana Is really should be thinking about how to um, have like this land as a public asset for its residents and really like the if there's a regional park here, I mean the benefits are going to go beyond central like in North Orange County. And so I think that that's where the, the, the main tension lies, and you know like the argument that we're trying to make is that you really don't want to have us, the residents fight like on every single front because what's next is, is, is what fighting on, alongside the development process. Um, so it's going to be a protracted fight, one where we feel um, is, involves a lot of like risk for the developers that currently have proposals um, on, online. And there's a lot of energy and resources that have been spent like by this by, by this group by Rise of Willowick and the residents. Um, and so, you know, I think that they're seeing like where, where the energy like stores lie and how can we deplete, um, you know, like the residents uh, again, whose focus is on um, doing day-to-day things, meeting their basic needs. So I can, that that's how I would interpret it but there's there's other interpretations as well.
0: Yeah. okay um yeah no anyone else that uh, wants to chime in feel free um no matter how spicy or not spicy uh the comments w- would be uh, i i would say you try not to curse i guess but even then it's a podcast you can do whatever you want um it's fine <laughs> um yeah so i, I it, uh, you know this is the the rising Willow Willa coalition
2: and i'm of course i'm representing the socialists in in the coalition um, and just thinking for myself, I, I am an anarchist, so I'm I'm very much the anti-statist uh, socialist. So my my kind of interpretation, my interpretation of of why this is all happening, kind of goes a little deeper, more into kind of less the you know, especially with the the more kind of liberal takes. You you know, I, big L liberalism takes. Um, you would get whatever we whatever I would talk with people about this. Uh, what's happening with the world is oh, it's it's the city council. We don't have the right people. It's it's always very individual. Very, very idealistic um rather than taking a lower more material look at these structures of very much how our city is, is governed materially like the like the don't look at how we like to imagine the city works look at how it does work the the re the, the harsh and ugly reality that you know of of why we constantly have city councilors going to jail for lying about where they live or or you know why we constantly have you know such a a a really big issue with with uh, with the police um and with other issues in the city it's it's because the the mechanisms of power inherent in state uh state governance um kind of incentivizes working with the rich working with you know the white people Even, even you know we're you know, Santa Ana, I'm you know, thinking specifically about Santa Ana here. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a city that is majority, not just majority POC, majority immigrant. Like most of the people who live in Santa Ana don't have their citizenship. Uh, you know, good number of you don't even have the green cards. Let, let's be honest, like, you know, and and yet, and yet the city has a incredibly brutal police force. I, I don't say yet. I say because of that, the, poli- the city has a pretty brutal police force because it needs a way to maintain power, to maintain control, uh, especially when you're governing people who, by definition, cannot vote, cannot have any real say in government. You don't have to worry about whether you brutalize them or not. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, selling off a hundred and four acres of public land to a developer. Because like half the people in the neighborhood can't vote anyway, like, <laughs> so so you don't really care what happens to them. Or from garden growth perspective, they're not even your vote. Even if they could vote, they don't vote for you. They're not your constituents. Um, there's one in Clinton, but it's a very small area. It's a, it's a small area co- compared to the broader one. Even then, that's only one specific counselor. So 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 what 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 institutional fears do these politicians have, of of, you know, just saying, of just telling people, well, well, screw you, go to hell. Like, you're, you're, you're broke. You're not going to pay. You're not going to, you know, give enough money financially to their campaign funds to to, enough for them to care. You're not going to vote in enough numbers to, to really make them afraid of reelection issues. Not really. So, so, so what, so what institutional way, what ways are there? Oh, well, there's the law. Well, okay, as we've seen with the with the with the uh lawsuits that we've done, at least the how I see it, is that the processes take so long, can be very complicated, and is not a guarantee, to be perfectly honest. Um like there there really aren't enough institutional disincentives for city governments to really get their, you know, I'm gonna curse them one time, get their shit together uh to to follow the law because why the, the, they are the state they are functionally the law. The state can get involved, but they a lot of the same problems are replicated on the state level and on the federal level as well there there are deeper structural issues as to why this keeps coming up. why gentrification keeps being a problem. It's not just you know oh it's the government, but it's also the market that the very the very way we allocate housing. Um, I'm, I'm
0: gonna speak personally here but right, and, uh, it, Brian, Friday can just uh, get, get you about 30 more seconds. We do have a hand raised and a yep. couple of last questions to get through before we close out. <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
2: but you know the, the the fact that the market the fact that McWinnie can even do this, the fact that it's you know that we use money <laughs> to, to, to facilitate all this rather than actual use. the fact that the residents aren't the final say is incredibly depressing but also shows just how bad things are.
6: Yeah,
3: I just wanted to quickly add I, uh, similar to what Byron said, but um, like as a Santana resident, I feel that it's hard not to feel that council members or the city itself really prioritizes like their vision, their prescriptive vision, their needs, their, their priorities um, on our communities at the expense of our communities. and um, And I just, you know, grew up not going to parks here in Santana, not going to like the public spaces here. And years later come to find out like the story doesn't really change and it's something that keeps repeating. And now with like a new, after 25 years or all that the time I've been alive, like there we have had the same mayor, similar controls, similar priorities. Now with this new change, you know, maybe that whole council wasn't the source of like, why Santana looks the way it does. And of course, I'm specifically speaking Santana as I'm a resident. Um, But I do think like they are they're, they're inheriting that legacy. But they also have like this opportunity right now to correct it and to change it and to change literally the future of our communities. Um, So like, I just wish that they would really understand that and like really step into their power to support us
0: okay oh thank you for that and you know i I guess the you know thing that is still before us right now is that there are three actual proposals right there are three concrete kind of visions that are uh working its way through this convoluted 90-day process whether or not in good faith um but, you know, what are these three proposals and uh, which one uh, is this particular organization uh, hoping uh, goes through? So I don't know if anyone wants to, to tackle the three proposals. I see uh, Cynthia potentially as a, a volunteer on this one.
1: Yeah, I can start us off. And um, so just from the get go, I will say that the Rise of Willow Coalition and really the community in general, not you know just current members, but also just the, the community that we've engaged, uh, support the proposal that is being put forth by the Trust for Public Land, um, the Clifford Views Housing, and the State Coastal Conservancy. So this is the, the, the project that's being put forth, forth right now. And the reason why, so as, Ke- as Flo had mentioned before, right, like, we knew we had to, one, stop the the sale of the land, but the other part was, like, envisioning, figuring out, well, like, who's going to acquire the land? Who's going to help us get through this process of acquisition and, like, actually be able to get us to acquire 102 acres of land, which is, it's a lot. It's It's a big like a like big poll. So um we engage with the trust for public land, and that's what they do nationally. What they do is they they acquire public land to then be able to continue its use for like open space and other like public benefits. Um, and, and they help jurisdictions and other organizations do that, right? So that's that's the their mission. Um and so we engage with them and they've been working with us and alongside the community to try to develop this this project. So I want to say that. When, when I say that this is the the project that the Trust for program is putting forth, it, this is really the community's project because we've been working it with them like and other community members have been working this project with them. So it's essentially in a nutshell 90 acres of open space um, that may you know contain like I think community gardens and um, um like maybe a community center but like essentially it's 90 acres of, of open space and then 12 acres of affordable housing that would be put forth by like with Clifford Beers housing. Um, and the reason why that came about as, as Karen just recalling when Karen mentioned that the, the surveys that we did, it was because that's those are the top two things that the community said they needed. Primarily open space by far, it was like a resounding we need more parks. And then if there's gonna be any residential development on this land, it needs to be affordable to residents. It cannot be market rate housing. And so that's the project that, that then the TPO with that feedback, Created, they found the partner, Clifford Beer Housing, to be able to do that, to just include um, affordable housing in that residential component. Um, and to cover kind of a little bit with, with that project, it's gonna be, it has rental options, like 210 units of rental options and, and 60 units of for home ownership that are also at um low and moderate income levels, right? The the home ownerships to be able to help people um acquire. <laughs> land you know to to, to build well that's how you do it right you you have to own your land because otherwise you're a renter who is also like you know subject um to that rent so so this project has been really well thought out in being in making sure that it's it's aligned with the community's needs and, and the vision the state of vision of the community um and also trust for public land has been working with us and with residents to do design workshops to not only get 90 acres of open space but to make sure that it's 90 acres that are actually use, like, the, the, the community wants and, and can use in a way that they that they need, right? So, you know, residents have mentioned having passive spaces to be able to relax and, and quiet spaces to be able to relax. But they've also mentioned having community gardens and maybe a community kitchen, um, and they've also mentioned having more, like, active uh, recreational um, amenities, like, like a skate park. And so all these things are, like, conversations that TPL is having with the community to see what are the uses that the park could also have for the residents. Um, so that's that's the project that we support um, and in the project that best aligns with the community's needs and visions. There are two other projects that the city is considering. Um, I just want to point out the first one, which is kind of egregious in my mind. Like, I don't understand how this is not a, doesn't raise any red flags, but one of them is being put forth by McWinney, LLC, which was, just to remind folks, the developer that the city was literally, like, hours away from selling the land to um, and leasing the land to at the end of 2019 illegally. So they've been able to insert the, the, themselves into this process because Wakeland housing is going to be providing um, also affordable housing on the land. And so this is what we're seeing with, with, the, with the SLA. One of the issues is like, this is supposed to be a process that prioritizes public benefit and public use. And the way that some developers like McQueenie, who don't have that in mind, who who's interest is not the public benefit, are able to insert themselves into this process. is like, okay, well, we'll provide the minimum requirement of affordable housing that is required under the Surplus Land Act. And so that's what weakland housing will be provided under the McQueenie project. And the other project um, is, they're calling themselves community. Was it Willowick Community Partners? But they're not. <laughs> that's not correct. But that's made up of um, Prime Store, which will be providing the commercial component. Uh, City Ventures, who will be doing the market-rate housing, and uh, Jamboree Housing, which will be doing the affordable housing. Again, the minimal requirement of affordable housing on the land under the Surplus Land Act. So the, those two proposals in a way lump them together. with and and this other second proposal, I lump them together because they're essentially the same proposal. The majority of the land will be market rate housing. The vast majority of the land will be market rate housing that folks cannot afford. And just to clarify, market rate housing is not deed restricted. So it's not deed restricted to your income. So if you're low income, it doesn't matter that the, the rent is gonna be whatever the market dictates. So it's usually unaffordable for, for low income residents. Um, and um, the 25% of the land would be affordable housing, but that's the minimal requirement for like They could have gone with higher, but they decided to do the minimum because that's really all they want um and like 20 acres of open space so very man- uh, minimal amount of open space and a lot of this open space is within the apartment complexes that they're proposing like the market rate comp so it's not necessarily publicly accessible open space or as we have seen in our communities and we definitely see in willowick because we've we've been called out by like security guards when we try to go to Willowwick brown bodies and current residents that live in in the in these communities they're gonna get policed if they try to go right into these these open spaces that are in this market rate developments so, that both these projects are trying to produce. So we don't support those because they're not aligned in any way with, um, with the community. They're not, the one thing, there was one thing that the community said they did not want, was mar- it was market rate housing. And both of these proposals were providing the majority of the land f- uh, would be for market rate housing. So um, those are the three proposals that are being currently considered. Um, but again, the one that we are fully in support of is the stress for public land project, and the reason why we're in support of it is because we've been working that project with the community. This is the community's project.
0: Cool. And um, just for for clarification, not sure if you uh, you know this or or, or not. Um, you know, it, it appeared to the that the county of Orange was already willing to. Uh, basically, acquire and maintain those like twenty ish acres of of, um, of open space. and a lot of the, I guess, the, the other two proposals are, are basically including what the county themselves have already said that they would do. Um, I, I don't know if you can clarify anything on that because I I found that a little interesting reading through the th- reading through them.
1: Thank you, Manny. That is something I also and I think our team and all the members in the coalition found really interesting. That conveniently, this you know, OC the County of Orange is proposing to. You know, whatever project is chosen, they are willing to uh, basically help with those 20 acres of open space. And conveniently, two of the projects that we don't support—the the McQueenie and the one that's being proposed by um, Primester City Ventures and um, Jamboree—both of those proposals each propose around 20 acres of open space. So I, you know, we don't have any um, the 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 what, what Orange County is saying is that they're going to do an add-on value. So they're not necessarily proposing a full-on project for the 102 acres, but they will add on to whatever project gets chosen. And and they would help with those 20 acres, managing those 20 acres. And so I obviously don't know what's going on necessarily in the supervisor's minds or, you know, the the county um, department's minds, like the, the staff. But to me, it was a bit suspicious, the fact that those specific amounts of 20 acres, like, just happened to like coincide. Um, You know, it wasn't more, it wasn't less. It was around what the other two projects were proposing.
0: Yeah. And for me, my understanding was that um, essentially that the County had sent out a letter, um, Prior to the final proposal, saying that they would support twenty acres, like I, I thought that that's what that was in the chain of emails. I'm not sure exactly who got it when, and it's a whole another investigation for a whole another agency, um, or maybe for for Up of Willowick. Like, who knows? Um, so the you know the thing that I, I guess I've um, had you know the most trouble uh, with, kind of like balancing out as far as you know the other two proposals is. Um, in a weird way, like for me, obviously, um, I think um, you, you all know where my sympathies lie and uh, which proposal I would prefer, um, the public land trust one with some modifications for additional you know, particular spaces somewhere. Uh, but the you know difference between uh, the McWinney and the Willowick community partners almost feel like the one that's quote-unquote un- affordable is... Um, is actually utilizing the space less efficiently than even the market rate housing project is. And I, and I know that uh, how I imagine this group might feel about mar- market rate housing, but it almost feels as though kind of with um, the compromise of the Willowick community partners, we get the least amount of affordable housing, but then also the least amount of just housing overall, most loss of space, uh, and seems to be the the worst of both worlds i'm not sure if that's how you felt or you really just hate the mcwinney project more than anything else um and that's probably everyone's got their, their opinion on that but it just it did seem as though um you know even this compromise is not quite the the not quite done um as well as it could possibly be done but I, i'm not sure if you have any other comments on the other two um uh you know for anyone else on here
4: I think what we want to highlight with the other two proposals, um, Manny, is that the the proposal, the trust for public land proposal, which we are supporting has been submitted with great care. And it has been submitted with understanding the the residents um, needs and it's centering the needs, um, the the needs of the residents that are that live around the Willowick area. And so there's over a thousand conversations that both Karen and Cynthia have had. Um, They are iterative, they are ongoing despite the fact that there has been COVID. And the question that you have to ask yourself is, has Willowick Community Partners or McWinnie done any of that work? And so their proposals reflect the absence of them having conversations. We were reached out to, um, by, um, by Jamboree Housing, which is one of the Willowick community partners early on, to ask us uh, our, our, our opinions about their proposal, w- to which we said, no, thank you. I mean, we had a conversation, but we weren't going to endorse you know, that, that proposal because essentially they felt that if they spoke to Rise Up Willowick, to us at least, that they were done with their community conversations. And so I think that that is like the main distinction that we want to carry across is that what what is reflected in the Trust for Public Land proposal is the care, the conversations that have been going, that are ongoing even now after after three years. And also the fact that we are not done, that we are in in the initial stages of what Willowick could look like ultimately, that will again go back to in centering what the residents needs are and so I think that that's really what uh, like our, our takeaway. And the takeaway is that uh, that Willowick Community Partners and Wakeland Housing, I should mention that both submitted proposals when the RFP went out in 2019. And the only reason why they are able to even be in this field of consideration is because they were able to convince an affordable housing developer to join their proposal because in our minds, we do not feel that they should even be in in the field. Legally, we can't kick them out, but we do not feel that that the city of Garden Grove that is is actively looking at monetizing uh, Willowick will then be able to negotiate in good faith when they are being, um, you know, speculatively, you know, called in like by these other proposers. how can you actively like negotiate with a public agency that is not going to submit a proposal that, um, or an appraisal of the land that is above market rate, and then see these other numbers that maybe in the future, you know, will, um, you know, that have like this other, you know, larger number uh, of monetization. And so I think that that's like the part that that really uh, angers (laughs) me. Um, I feel angry when 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 i when I think about that, because it it because it isn't fair. They're using this public process. They already had a bite at the apple. it's it's the it's the community's turn now.
0: Yeah, no, and and for for those of you that I guess I uh, didn't understand my question because it was really more of, I think editorializing in, in commentary. Um, you know I, I guess for, for the 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 question was really um, around, the two different proposals are supposed to be coming in, the, the other two proposals are supposed to be coming in from different um, philosophical backgrounds of either one being, you know, quote-unquote community unf- and affordable housing project, and another one, another one based more on market rate uh, considerations. Um it just seemed to me that potentially the one that was the compromise was actually like the worst of both worlds. Um, so that, that's just the observation that I had looking at the proposal. Um, but I wasn't sure if anyone shared that or if uh, both other proposals were, um, or, were uh, disliked equally amongst the group, but we, we don't have to get into that because I know we are um, a little, little over time and we want to make sure that we have uh, time to kind of wrap up some of these questions. Um, so, you know, that's also, I guess, um, you know, a part of what's going on, at least in the editorial pages of, of local newspapers. Um, so I'm not sure if, uh, you know, Rise Up Willowick has any response to some of the editorials uh, that have come out um, around Willowick. I, I believe there was one from Jamboree Housing uh, directly um, and another one uh, with uh, Abundant Housing OC or Housing is a Human Right OC. I'm not sure I'm um, trying to remember exactly uh, what that is. And I have worked with um, uh, w- with um, Hansen uh, before. Uh, is it Hansen? Oh, my gosh. I, I can't believe I'm blanking out on names. It it? Oh, Cynthia? knows.
1: Oh, I believe it was written by Elizabeth Hansberg. Hansberg,
0: yeah. yeah. So I, I've worked with Hansberg uh, before on, on different projects. Um, but, you know, just to so kind of let you all, all know. Um, so, you know, what... If any responses, uh, you know, rise up, Willowick, have I guess to the types of um, uh, uh, communications and editorials that are coming out or, around uh, Willowick?
3: I can quickly add. Um, for me, um, I've read both articles, and I believe we responded. We responded to um, the uh, Kelsey Brewers op-ed um, from Jamboree. But both seem to me just, I think like this, there's this constant um, assumption and this constant uh, theme that I see is that for them, it's very easy to say what the community wants and should do and how it should be planned when they have neither lived there spend time there, work there, experience what it's like or not from there. Um, So that to me is just really off-putting, really disappointing um, and triggering because I think this is constantly like what we see in communities of color where outsiders want to come in and dictate what gets made there and how it should look like and how the future should be. Um, And I think that is um I feel like that and as Byron has said like our communities a lot of times are left out of this process and so I do think it's part of like racism in in these type of processes and I do think that they're perpetuating that by continuously talking like that and as someone who has worked now in these communities and had conversations with that with residents there I still, and continue to have conversations, I still wouldn't say that Um, I know what they want and I like personally know know and can speak for them and can decide for them Um, because these conversations are ongoing and the commitment is there to work with the community and everything that we say is based off of what we've heard, what we continue to, to talk about, so that's my
0: that's my view on that okay no well, thank you for that now um so I, I guess you know getting closer to the the end here um are, are there any key dates or um other milestones and things that you know folks should be aware of it at this point um you know I, I believe someone said that the, the 90 days are almost up or uh, some some other key deadlines are coming up
4: yeah I can speak to so again the the minimum. Of, of 90 days um, would be the July 18th of 2019. Uh, and so right now the city of Garden Grove is negotiating with, well, hopefully negotiating in good faith with um, the Trust for Public Land and um, the SCC as well as Clifford Beers Housing proposal. Uh, and so we are going to watch closely as to and advocate for that periods to be extended.
0: So, is it, um, is that a uh, I guess a a regular uh, process and like it happens fairly routinely um, as far as the the date extension. So, is that looking uh, good or it's a uh, pretty unknown at this point? Okay, I'll take that uh, as an unknown. <laughs> So if uh, folks want want to get involved, more uh, uh, in more detail, like what should they do, who um, can they reach out to, um, all that uh, good information.
1: Yeah, so um, definitely we're on social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Rise of Willowick. Uh, so at Rise of Willowick, um, and I think something that we would I would like to point out right now is uh, we do have an ongoing petition. So, if folks listening to this, you know, go to any of uh, those uh, websites like um, we have it there, like in our bios and and linked, or you know, just message us and DM us if for whatever reason you're having a hard time finding it. Um, to sign this petition, again, the petition is basically letting Garden Grove know. This is the community's project with the just for public land project and that's the project that they should um, be prioritizing, even though that's not what they're doing, you now. but that's what they should be doing. Um, so definitely do that. Um, and then I guess our email as well. If anyone's out there who wants to like email us directly. Are you willowick uh, um, At gmail.com. So those are um, ways to get in touch for sure.
0: Okay, so we'll definitely um, add in all of that information onto the little descriptor, so hopefully people can find it uh, easier. Um, so thank you for that. And uh, really just, a, you know, if there's anything else that um, anyone would like to add, I think that uh, Karen uh, Romero was uh, already uh, with something.
5: Yes. So I think that we have clearly made the case that residents and people who live around the area should have a say of how well it should be used and we have also made the case that open space is desperately needed um like flor said covid just revealed or maybe further emphasized the need for open space for our communities and just to even add on to those arguments when we really don't need to um on a national level uh cities use about 15% of its city land towards parks. The city of Irvine uses 30% of its land towards um, parkland and open space. And in contrast, the city of Garden Grove only uses 1% of its total land. And the city of Santana only uses 4% of its total land towards open space and parks. So that is already a huge disparity for residents um, in those cities. And further, uh, at some point, we thought, like, in this process that there could be an opportunity for O.C. Parks to be a long-term steward for a potential regional park um, that could be transformed on Willowick. And so when we explored that possibility and we did the research, we saw that O.C. Parks manages 60,000 of acres of open space throughout the county. A lot of it is located along the coast and also in more wealthier, um, wider cities in the county. And there is no um there's no open space, there's no acres, zero acres in the cities of Santana and Garden Grove that is managed by OC Park. So there's just like so much disparity of open space and I just really wanted to emphasize those points.
0: All right. So um I guess I don't know if there anyone else, anyone else wants to jump in on anything else um, or if we just want to have any kind of closing statements and kind of go from uh, top to the bottom and uh, make sure everyone gets a, a last word in, if that's okay. All right, cool. Um, so, again, I'm just going to buy my, my screen here. So, uh, uh, Byron, uh, if you can, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep these uh, fairly short, but any last closing statements, Byron?
2: Uh, yeah, just that, you know, this is not just a fight for Willowick. Uh, you know, the, the, these fights are happening all over the country and throughout the world. <laughs> um, and it's important to really be involved on the street-level activism of this. Um, you are not alone. Talk to your neighbors like I did. I, this is a great opportunity to, to talk to all my neighbors and get to know them and find out, oh, we share a lot of the same economic issues. <laughs> uh, so it's very important.
0: Okay, uh, Flor, uh, you're up next.
4: Thank you, Manny, um, for this opportunity. I would just say that that Rise Up Willowick and and Willowick um, in general is an intersectional issue. It's an issue of environmental justice. It's an an issue of racial justice. Uh, It's an issue of who gets to belong in the city. And we believe that the residents of the Santa Anita and the Buenaclinton neighborhood are the ones who should determine um, their identity and also the future of Willow Wick. Okay,
0: thank you, uh, Cynthia.
1: Yeah. so yeah, thank you for having us. um just in closing, I think I would say and emphasize the fact that this is really you know those once in a lifetime really opportunity. You know once this land gets developed, it's you know, I've never heard of really anyone demolishing buildings to build parks, right? That doesn't happen. And just given what we're hearing with climate justice, uh, like climate issues that are, we're now seeing it's not just, you know, restricted to certain areas, we're seeing it impact urban communities like ours. You're gonna be the the ones in the front lines. Um, That this is really the opportunities that the cities have to redress all these wrongs and, and lack of disinvestment that have occurred for years that we're now seeing, you know, that we see all these issues come up. And like, this is the opportunity, you have it, you know, there's a project, all the hard work has been done. Like there's a project in a pretty box and a bow done, ready to go to fix a lot of those issues. And so I just wanna remind folks that if for whatever reason, either one of these cities do not choose this project, they're actively rejecting it. It's not because they couldn't do it. It's not because they didn't have the opportunity. It's because it's done. The work is done just to you know adopt it. So I wanna say that, and it's not just 102 acres, it's all the benefits and, and really also setting precedent for a, a project that actually shows that communities can be part of the planning process, that if they're not included is because cities actively exclude them from the planning process, but this project shows that you can do that. Um, So just for folks out there, you know, you know where to find us so you can also help support us.
0: Cool, thank you and uh, Karen Rodriguez.
3: Yes, uh, thank you for having us again. um, I also feel like Willowick is that key opportunity to invest in our communities in like a really deep, nourishing way. I also feel that our communities deserve this and that as Cynthia has said, the it's possible um, and it's really hasn't happened yet because they haven't wanted it to happen. And so we're here saying that we deserve it and that um, it's already ours. So, um, you know, support us. Um, Another thing that I wanted to add was that I feel that this community led group um, has really already made history and our work has shown that and um, I do feel like we are, we have demonstrated our power and will continue to do so.
0: Oh, thank you and uh finally, uh Karen Romero
5: yes, Karen Romero Esperava. um, I also want to thank you for having us, and it really like this is a project and a labor of love for us. It's something that we all in one way or another, and wherever part of the county we're in, we all have similarly faced um that disinvestment and that neglect from our cities and the city government, and I cannot sound repetitive, but we also like really emphasize that cities always tell communities of color that having resources and a beautiful like environment is not possible. And we are saying that it is possible and the disposition of Willowick will really set a precedent on how public surplus land is disposed of in the county and also in the state. and this is a chance to do it right this is a chance for the city of garden
0: grove and the city of santa Ana to do it right by its residents all right well uh you know thank you all for your time but uh most importantly thank you for um the the efforts that you all have uh, committed yourselves to in order to preserve uh, this open space uh, within our, our city here and also you know serving not just the immediate um, financial needs of any particular agency uh, but looking to create um, a livable, welcoming environment for all people in all communities here. Uh, so I do appreciate that, appreciate uh, you. Um, I am going to stop the recording now, but if you all can just uh, hang on for just a little bit um, uh, to go over some debriefing stuff. I really appreciate you all, and uh, we'll be stopping the recording as soon as I can find the button. <laughs> um, let's see. Pause, stop. All right, everyone well thanks for uh, listening in I really appreciated uh, the guests coming on and uh, hopefully um, if you want to uh, support their efforts or get to learn more about what's going on over at Willowick you know please do uh, check out those links uh, for their social media and how to get a hold of them and uh, as always uh, you know like share subscribe just uh, send this uh, stuff and uh To your friend who's also kind of geeking out about local Santa Ana policy, definitely appreciate that. Uh, And if you know anyone that would like to be a guest, uh, you know, we're always uh, looking for different people to interview. Again, you know, anything affecting the city of Santa Ana at a whole range of levels. And, you know, sometimes just some fun stuff. So um, I have no idea who we're uh, we're playing uh, in the outro today, but thank you to them for uh, allowing us to use their music and uh, hopefully you all have a beautiful uh, you know, week with your family. Uh, stay safe out there, and uh, you know, hopefully enjoy some open space that does exist in the city, and uh, see what we can do to fight for some more.